Welcome back to another exciting week in the Web3 universe. I'm your host, The Mayor, and you're listening to the best NFT media-nominated NFT and Chill podcast, the show that discusses interesting topics with artists, creators, and thought leaders from the Web3 space. On this week's episode, we have Michael Quinn from Decentral, and we're going to be talking about the latest crypto crash, as well as what's going on with FTX and the difference between centralized finance and DeFi. This is definitely an episode you don't want to miss, so sit back and chill while we explore the exciting world of Web3 and NFTs together. Who I have with me today is a special guest from Decentral, Michael Quint. How you doing today, Mike? Hey, good, good. Another day in crypto. (laughs) Absolutely. We're about to dive right in. You want to give the uh, listeners an introduction? Yeah, definitely. I'm co-founder and COO of Decentral Global. So we do mostly crypto events. You've heard of Decentral Miami, Decentral Austin. We also have a few other brands as well. A little bit before that, I actually used to work with Polygon and their marketing side, Persistence, and a few other later ones like Chromia too. So I've been around the space for a while. (laughs) I mean, you you guys were also in Singapore, right? Yeah, we tested the waters in Asia and uh, overwhelming support. So uh, we got some plans for that to be announced in Miami. Asia has been a pretty big adopter of what's happening in Web3. What is it? The Philippines and a lot of those countries in that area have, have really started to adopt cryptocurrency. Yeah, because like if you look at the, the current infrastructures that are over there, me, I'm, I'm Vietnamese. So like even when I go to Vietnam, it's like it's like a cash society. So like how do you make it to where you bring on like the online versions? And like credit cards were like really a little a little bit difficult to kind of use back then, you know, over there. Even now, if you're looking at all the users, most of them are on their phone and they're having a way to say, hey, look, I can actually transfer money without having to, you know, carry a, a boatload of cash to the uh, the bank and then send it over. So they're now starting to see that cycle of that mobile side. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and a lot of countries are starting to catch on. It's exciting times. It is right now. The market is in a bit of a panic and we are in the beginning stages of what looks to be a bit of a bloodbath. So that's what we're going to get into today. We're going to be talking about the crypto crash and the crash that is coming and you know all the stuff that's happening with ftx and decentralized finance in the web3 world could you give your take on what's happening right now with ftx and binance yeah so for for ftx aside they were super over leveraged in terms of what they were trying to build i mean if you're looking at like how much they're estimating the the bailout to be it's like 10 billion to 50 billion in terms of how much they're in debt and if you look at like spread across all of their investments and everything they just went really really hard and they started using users funds which is where they messed up binance for sure was one of the biggest holders especially in the seed rounds so for them they eventually have to dump right they're gonna eventually have to sell it kind of was like a catalyst of multiple things happening there was a lot of fud around ftx they overspent during the bull market you know they didn't fully utilize all of their treasury enough uh during the bear market and also for that too like they leverage a lot of ftt into their portfolio one of the big things you should not do is if you create a token do not place it into your treasury unless you're at a foundation right if you're a layer one yeah that's the main point of what you're doing a foundation for for him it was basically like you're you're relying everything on one domino and if that domino fails 
you know, the entirety of it comes down. And a smart thing that Binance does is that they don't use BNB as their capital in their, a lot of their funds. Even if BNB goes down, they're still okay. You know, they're not over leveraged. Like we see in a lot of DeFi protocols that have these pools where they're like 50%, 80%, 90% into one asset. And when one of those assets go down, especially if it's like, you know, it's their own token, you start to see them crumble. And we've seen all of those waves during a uh, DeFi summer and, you know, leading up till even last year was that all of those tokens that were placed into the treasury inflates the treasury because you can pump your own token price and you'd be like, hey, look, I have a million tokens and they're worth a million dollars each. Now I have a trillion dollars or, you know, I have, I have X amount of dollars. It got to the point where you start seeing that, hey, look, even a dollar drop and you have a major portion of that in your uh, treasury will start to see a lot of volatility. FTX over leveraged themselves. They spent way too much. And on top of that, too, they just, you know, really didn't want to play ball. And the rest of the industry was just waiting to see what he was going to do. Yeah. And, you know, this is just another massive failure in this CFI, you know, a centralized finance world that in Web3, you know, we saw what happened with Three Arrow Capital and Voyager, Celsius, Terra, <laughs> Terra. It seems like they're using retail traders and other people's funds to leverage and take risk to boost their treasuries and their portfolios as a user like myself or you like what do you look for when you're on an exchange or purchasing crypto or trading so i think that a lot of people place way too much liquidity on exchanges and then get surprised when something happens to it mount gox was you know one of one of the early examples of people placing, you know, hundreds of thousands of Bitcoin onto an exchange and then overnight it falls off. We've seen, what was it, Quadra X from Canada do the same thing. The founders know where to be found or they lost their private keys and stuff like that. I think that for exchanges, they're good to kind of have around to push around liquidity and of course simulate the markets for trading. But at the same time, it's like if you're placing like all of your eggs in one basket and you're placing, you know, large amounts that you know you shouldn't have on there and if something happens to it, like who are you going to call? And I think that even in the transparency of some of the exchanges too, the exchanges aren't in the business to say, hey, look, I'm going to be transparent with every single thing is because it costs too much. Why pay for an API that's going to show you all the monetary movements of the wallets and everything? Of course, you know, it's in the hot wallet or it's in this, you know, it's in the cold wallet, blah, blah, blah. If you have like 10,000 users going into the hot storage and stuff, it's like, how do you know which one is saying, hey, look, I'm going to take out a, a loan and let's say it's a million dollars, but it looks like a user's withdrawal, right? It's a little bit difficult to kind of track a hot wallet and see if it's going to be, oh, this is, you know, X transaction going to here. So I think that for in terms of transparency, the, the industry does need it for exchanges. But also at the same time, it's like you place your money on there. It's your fault. It's not your keys, not your crypto. If you do place it on there, that means you place trust into an exchange. And if you place trust into it, you have to understand that maybe there might be a risk that the other side might, you know, play dirty. Yeah, that's a great point. And, you know, we've like we, we've seen with Voyager and, you know, some of these exchanges where they put out a tweet or a statement saying everybody's currency and their wallets are safe. And then a week later, it goes under. BlockFi, I believe yesterday just halted all withdrawals on their platform. Stuff like that is definitely scary. You know, you're placing money on there, you're expecting it to be safe, but you don't read the fine print. Like literally, whenever you deposit onto Coinbase or some of these exchanges, you no longer own those tokens. 
or those coins. It's literally now in property of the exchange. You have to make sure that if you're going to be trading and you're going onto an exchange, try not to over leverage and try not to, to place too much on there. But at the same time, it's like placing it on there, you, you have to understand the risk that's going to be associated with it. You're not in control of it anymore. You're in control of a API that shows you your balance on your wallet, and that's controlled by the exchange as well. Let's say, for example, if you place in you know a million dollars and you're the only user on that exchange, but that exchange is like, hey, we're just gonna go ahead and take this and loan it out without you knowing it because it's our it's our money now. So it's not it's no longer yours. You deposited it onto us, we're keeping it, right? You can still trade, you can still do whatever. It still shows that you still have that million dollars in there. You can go in there, buy other tokens, it can fluctuate, whatever. But whenever you come out and say, hey, I just want to, you know, withdraw this. They're like, oh, well, it's tied up. You know, what can you do? You, you can't do anything. <laughs> so I think that that's kind of like the, the risk with more of like the, the exchange side. Yeah, that's an excellent point. Like stressing right now in, of reading the fine print, the details of your terms of service. And the biggest thing is if it's not your case, it's not your crypto. I guess we kind of go into the difference. Like that, that is kind of the, and and the mantra. During the spring summer, when those CFI platforms fell, and then right now we're saying it again: if it's not your keys, it's not your crypto. What could the average user, the everyday listener of the show, do to make sure that their cryptocurrency is safe? Yeah, I think if you're playing with like you know, if it's hey, you're just testing things out, if you're barely getting into crypto, go ahead and start by potentially going onto one of the exchanges and seeing how to buy, sell, things like that. If you're, you know, just testing things out, try it on an exchange, seeing how the withdrawals and, and deposits go and how they work. In terms of kind of like going to exchanges with large amounts, unless you're going to be trading daily and stuff like that, then it's all on personal preference in terms of their finances. Yeah, absolutely. And you don't have to use these centralized exchanges, places like Uniswap, Sushi Swap, Pancake Swap, One Inch, Curve, like these are all DeFi exchanges that have done very well through these crashes because it, they're not centralized exchanges whose sole purpose is to take risk, boost their treasury, boost their portfolio, and make money. It's not to take care of the consumer's currency. I think that there's a lot of hard lessons that are being learned right now. You know, hopefully everything works out. I use the Zengo wallet because it's actually my crypto that is in that wallet. I purchase my crypto through the Zengo wallet. And if I have to use an exchange, I will jump on Coinbase or especially Uniswap, and I'll make my purchases and then bring them over to the Zengo wallet where I keep my crypto. In terms of like Uniswap and stuff. So that one, it is a little bit more complicated. So if you're a brand new user, you know, it might have a little bit of a learning curve. But also at the same time for that too, it's like you're able to not have a permissioned exchange, right? Not all of them are always going to be the best for you. If you're doing yield farming, for example, uh, you got to look at, hey, look, there's a thousand percent APR. It's like, where is that APR coming from? Because there's a, there's a quote from uh, from Miko Matsumura from Gumi Capital that I like really, really love. It's basically, if you don't understand where the yield is coming from, you are the yield. And people don't know that whenever they're placing into protocols that there could be exploits. It's, you know, it could be bugs. It could have it to where there's 
multiple things that can happen to it. So I would say be careful, research what you're going to be using. Uh, at the same time, you know, try to understand how these things work instead of just, hey, look, I'm just going to go onto an exchange, onto a DeFi exchange, and then from there try to swap. Uh, try to learn why these things work first before kind of like diving in. And then from there, you actually understand a little bit more compared to I'm just going to be in there for a quick gain. Because if you've seen with the market, the market has been tanking. The market sometimes does go up, sometimes it does go down. It is a market, but at the same time, it trades 24-7. So there's speculation around the world. It's not just going to be from a 9 to 5 or 8 to 5 uh, with some of the markets. So it's a constant cycle of do you really understand what you're going into? And at the same time, if you do, do you want to keep it secure? If you do, then you know you get a little bit more freedom of what you want to do with it. But also for like decentralized exchanges as well, making sure that you track your transactions because if you're doing your taxes and stuff, definitely you do not want to mess with that portion. Just make sure you track every single thing. Yeah, that's an excellent point. Michael, could you, I guess, talk about what you see moving forward with the state of the market? I've been sitting back in the market since March. Uh, the reason why is like the brutal honesty is like I felt like it was too frothy. Everyone was literally saying, oh, I just made like you know X amount of dollars. Oh, I just made a million dollars. I'm like, okay, you know, good for you. I'm happy, you know, great job. You, you got in at a, at a perfect time. But I've seen a lot of those guys where they go up to like, you know, 10 million and then they just held on. Like they literally just over leveraged themselves entirely the entire time. They're like, I'm going to make this 100 mil. I'm like, what are you doing? And what ends up happening is that they, they start trading away and start, you know, start slowly chipping away from their treasury and everything. ETH during like March was around like $4,000. And a lot of them just continued on with that path and was like, all right, I'm going to get this. And then they just didn't understand when to exit or when to just sit back a little bit and enjoy. So they over leveraged themselves going into some of these newer things, uh, what I call shit coins and stuff, and, you know, just try to chase. And I think that the, the momentum of the entire industry is everyone is trying to chase. And it sucks because not a lot of people sit back and relax and just chill and say, hey, look, maybe I'm just going to wait for a little bit. It's not just the average user. It's also these companies, too, because during that time, they're trying to acquire market share. They're trying to acquire as much as they can before the next run, because by the next run that's going to be happening, they're going to acquire and have more money to expand for, you know, expand their businesses. But I think that they didn't prepare for what was going to happen because of all of the little things that was missed during a bull market. So during a bear market. You sit down and you say, hey, look, I'm looking through every single thing to make sure that my company survives. During a bull market, you throw anything at the wall and it sticks. And then from there, you don't learn from what's going to be the little mistakes. Or if you grow too big too soon, then it's like you don't look at the fine-tuned things of like you should have fixed this a long time ago. Like the thing for FTX's treasury, holding FTT as your own treasury portion is like, why? You're, you're speculating on yourself as a company to, to succeed but also one of the biggest FTT holders is Binance. At any time, even if they dump it in one go, right? It's going to hurt your community so bad. And even for like founders that are like brand new that are like, hey, I want to do fundraising. I want to raise my seed round, private round, public round. They give VCs these crazy deals with these crazy unlocks. And what happens is that afterwards, they just dump on their community right when it's profitable. And then the only thing that's left is like the community is like, well, what just happened? They weren't in those rooms with those private deals. They weren't there for the earlier stuff all they knew was they came in for a vision and they came in for you know an opportunity or a way to to get into a new community and for them it's like it's like collateral damage which really sucks because then it gives everyone a bad taste for it especially a lot of the nft projects too 
it, it got really frothy in terms of everyone was minting out. Everyone's like, you know, doing like a hundred, hundred to two hundred ETH treasuries and things like that for full mints. There has to be a moment where they're going to have to convert that and push onto the roadmap because now there's no utility. You're going to have to pay for staff. You're going to have to pay for, you know, marketing. You're going to have to pay for PR, like kind of like operational expenses. And it's like, if you just hold on to entirely ETH, and let's say like 50 other projects hold on to entirely ETH, one of them is going to start selling first because they're like, hey, I'm going to switch this to make this stable so that I can make sure my company is okay. And what happens is this cascading effect. Everyone's going to start doing the same thing, but basically the last one to do it is the one that sucks the most because now they, they got hit with all of the uh, the drops while everyone else is slowly just waiting to see what the next person does, which I think that the industry is always chasing that we just sit back and kind of find a way to see what our fundamentals are and why we're building this technology and why are we trying to impact the world with you know crypto and Web3, the true visions of it. Then you can kind of find the purpose because that is actually worth more than money. Yeah, very well put. There's definitely a lot of cascading effects in Web3. Uh, you see it all the time with NFT projects or you know cryptocurrency and altcoins that once they're selling, the dominoes fall and people just start selling and selling and selling. And the same goes for buying as well. But there is a big chase mentality, especially like right now, I think you might see a market like this for one to two years. And in that time, we'll see these dips where Ethereum goes down around 1,000, might dip under 1,000, climbs back to 1,500. And there are ways to, to make money in this market, absolutely. But you definitely have to know when to get in, when to get out, like when it feels right for you and try not to be too emotional about it because the people who make a bunch of money and then they, like you said, hold because they think Ethereum's going to climb back to four or 5,000. That's just not going to happen with, with the state of the market. Just chase the high, you know? Yeah, it, absolutely. <laughs> Constantly chasing the high. Why don't we talk a little bit about Decentral? Because at the end of the month, we have DecentralCon Miami coming up. I'm one of the speakers at this event, and also NFT and Chill is a media partner, which... I'm super excited about it's going to be kicking off Art Basel week in Miami. I'm going to give you a little time here to talk about the event and what's what's going to be going down, what people can expect. We understood like the whole market sentiment, understand how like companies are are interacting in terms of events. And we decided to say, hey, look, there's one area that is really, really missing, which is education. All of the builders that are currently in the industry, it's like, I want to hear from them. I want to know what they're building. And on top of that, too, it's like, I want to stay relevant and learn this information because maybe I can use it or even be able to teach it to someone. Justin Wu, our co-founder, in 2018, created the first blockchain gaming stage inside E3. And we decided to say, why don't we just make this physical? Because there's so much, you know, so many people that are trying to interact together, but we wanted to do it in a certain way. We wanted it to be where we break down the silos of all the builders because everyone's building in their own vertical. And for us, we want to break it down to say, hey, look, we're here to collaborate as an industry together. We do not take any exclusives. If there's two exchanges that are like, hey, we only do exclusives. I'm not going to accept any exclusives at my event. It's because it limits voice and it limits the other areas of opportunity and the competition. And that's not what we like. We like to be able to say, hey, look, we're blockchain agnostic. And we had around, there was like 20 to 30 layer ones and layer twos at Decentral Miami last year. 
And each one of them are building their own solutions. But at the same time, they're still building towards user growth and user adoption. And then now this is our second year back in Miami. And we want to bring the same vibe, the, the same vibe of, hey, we're here to support the builders. We're not here to support the speculators or the ones that just want to basically the ones that take away value from the ecosystem. I don't want people to come in and be a fly by night and be like, bam, I made a million dollars and I'm out. I want people to be like, hey, how do I build a company for the next five years and be able to really help a lot of people with my tech? Even for our speakers as well, we like we select them very selectively. We don't just choose anyone to be on our stages. It's because I'd rather be at a conference and, and learn something than to go there and listen to someone talk about their project. I want to talk about more deeper topics and the ones that are like the future of NFTs, the future of GameFi. You know, what's the next trend for DeFi and whole as well? Metaverses. We made it to where Decentral is fully open to all these verticals. It's because there's so much innovation. We even have a panel for decentralized science. Probably a lot of viewers haven't heard of yet. Miami is kind of like our flagship event. We make it to where it's fun, entertaining, but also at the same time, it's a builder's place. And whenever people say it's a bear market, I say, no, 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 it's a builder's market. Yeah, absolutely. I would say Decentral is definitely my favorite of the Web3 events. The networking, the information, the innovation, and like you said, the competition, it's for the builders. It's for the people making the space uh, a better place for everyone. You know, I highly recommend checking it out November 28th and 29th. Uh, I'm very excited. Michael, I want to thank you so much for coming on NFT and Chill and helping us out with all the turmoil that's happening right now in the crypto market. Thanks for having me on. And uh, not your keys, not your crypto. So (laughs) you really want to get serious about it. Try to find a way to learn more about the ecosystems and the way that we are as a, as a community. If you want to build something, find out how you can provide value. Uh, the most important thing is how, you, how can you improve the ecosystem and everyone will welcome you in. Absolutely. And also Justin Wu, who was mentioned earlier, has been a guest on this show. So if you want to go back and listen to his episode, it's episode 25. Thank you, Michael. Thanks, brother. And well, I'll see you in Miami. Absolutely. It's going to be a vibe. <laughs> Can't wait. And that's it for this week's show. I want to thank my guest, Michael from Decentral, for coming on the show, explaining DeFi and CeFi, and really trying to help keep people safe in the space. Especially want to thank my sponsor, Zengo. We're very lucky to have Zengo as a sponsor. It is a wallet. It is one of the safest wallets you can have in Web3. It is not a not your keys, not your crypto wallet. So definitely, if you haven't checked it out, uh, I would give it a try. Definitely can't wait for DecentralCon in Miami. I'll be speaking at that event, and I can't wait to meet as many of you as possible. It should be an awesome event. And we'll leave DecentralCon's website in the show notes. So I want to thank every single listener from all over the world for listening, subscribing, leaving reviews, and supporting the show. None of this is possible without you. And so make sure you're subscribed because we got another incredible guest coming on next week. I'm the mayor. And you've been listening to the NFT and Chill podcast. <laughs>